Welcome, welcome, welcome. I think we may have that uh, slow stuff again, just as an FYI. Okay, welcome everyone. And we are so happy to see you all on our Friday night podcast. Uh, this is the monthly podcast where we go over what we've done for the month. And uh, we're so glad you could join us. So is everybody ready for the long weekend? Yes, we are. Very excited about it. And I see Annette's joining us. Great to see you on this Friday evening in the west or the eastern U.S., actually. Um, we have the holiday weekend, a three-day weekend for Labor Day. And I'm looking very much forward to it. I'm actually going to a college football game tomorrow Going up to Happy Valley to see Penn State. Uh-oh. My alma mater. Your alma mater. That's going to be trouble. <laughs> oh, it's going to be playing Appalachian State. Uh-oh. So, hey, they upset Michigan before. It's not. It's, well, you know, they, they, upset, they upset Pitt one year. Yes. They blew Pitt out of the water. They are, they are a fierce team. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. And we're very excited because our friends... Our dear friends are flying in from uh, Chicago to visit and to watch the games. So they invited us to come and we haven't seen them for probably a year or so. So we're looking forward to it very much. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I wonder if my uh, cousin will be going up. She's a Penn State alum too. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping it's not going to be a complete rain out. I think it's just supposed to be a little misty, so I'm hopeful. Hopeful. So tonight we have joining us Miss Karen. Hello. Yay. We're so happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And, and what big plans do you have? Anything this weekend with any of your relatives? Um, going to my brother's on Monday for a, for dinner, for a picnic. Other than that, we'll see what what happens. <laughs> People okay. usually show up on Sundays. Nothing, <laughs> nothing planned. How about you? I am uh, going to binge something on TV. Oh, have you decided what yet? No. I have to buy a new coffee pot, binge something on TV. I have to pick something up at Macy's that I ordered. But other than that, my weekend is did and I'm happy about it oh and the pool closes this weekend so if it's nice I'm, I'm going to try to hit that oh. so we want we've got a long program tonight and we wanted to make I want to make sure we get the announcements in um, 
Gabriel's Inferno podcast, I know it's usually Sunday at 5 p.m. I know it's been postponed for some technical difficulties, so I'm not exactly sure what date they're going to be doing Chapter 5. Trilogia de Gabriel is on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Mexico time. Noites in Valencia are a little bit of a break, and Andy and Suki and all will be coming back. Noches in Florencia is coming back on September 6th. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Very so exciting news. Maru and uh, MJ and I think Marion is I involved so. in that. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, as we know, Gabriel 4 is being written. Last I heard, Richard and uh, Gabriel were still on the back porch smoking stogies and uh, drinking whiskey. So who knows? Um, I understand that there's going to be some translations for the Man in the Black Suit and the Florentine uh, series, uh, but SR hasn't gotten the permission to give the exact dates or what languages yet. But he said it should be coming soon, so that'll be exciting. Um, as Gabriel series has uh, been picked up by Passion Flicks, and uh, they're hoping to be filming next year, next fall, in Fantastic. show in Florence. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and if you're not a member, uh, go on to either our website, our, our Twitter page, or into SR's Twitter page, and there's a link you can attach to that you can sign up for that. And if you want to become a founding member, they have a way of, of getting you over to become a founding member. And you know, they have a lot of perks on that end, so that's fun. Um, SR has also been writing uh, uh, an outtake for fan fiction uh, under the Sebastian Robichaud name that he started the Gabriel series with. And it is a story called Stardust Over Florence. Uh, it's going into a complication, complication, I can't talk. Uh, <laughs> Have another uh, sip, Pam. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> for babies at the border. And if you go into their blog spot um, or into their Twitter page, you can connect to their blog spot. You make a donation of $10 or more and email the receipt and you'll be added to the list to get a compilation. Uh, There are, I forget exactly how many authors are going to be involved in it. I think Jen Locklear is going to be involved and I think Morgan's involved as well. Um, Yeah, Moore just got added on. There was a, on on Facebook. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, that's exciting. That's great. Yeah, and there was, uh, obviously, SR is going to be in it. And they, this morning, I think I saw they had raised over $6,000 for these yeah. uh, different charities, which is, I know the one is the ACLU and there's a, a, a few others. And so that's exciting. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting a copy of my compilation. Mm-hmm. I think there is a cutoff date for the donations. And I, if you go into their site, you'll see what that is because they've got a list of them for the writers, for the betas, the, the betas artwork, and, and all, the, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Miss Susie is with us. Oh, my gosh, Susie. Hi, Susie. 
Hi, Susie. That's okay. Is mom okay? You're saying you're, she's in the hospital? Yeah, she's saying that she's sorry she can't stay, just stopping in to say hi. She's at the hospital with mom. She had another fall, but nothing broken as far as we know. Oh, good. Good. It's wonderful. We're hoping that she has a full recovery. I'm happy she didn't break anything. Mm. It can be very, very scary. Yes, it can. And she's okay. That's good, Susie. I have to say, Susie is one of my go-to women. Um, she has not steered me wrong once in any kind of book recommendations. So if you're looking for good books to read, follow Susie Steinley. She has given me so much joy through the books that she's recommended. <laughs> so a she shout out so to Susie and so many, many hugs to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, she's a prolific reader, as many of you are. I aspire to be, but I'm not. And I see Ken's has joined us. She has. So we've got we've got the Aussie contingent here. I Do know you have a bank Australia on Monday. <laughs> Australia's representing tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so good to see you guys. Yeah. I'm sorry you can't stay, Susie, but please wish your mother the best from all of us. Yeah, I hope your mom's doing okay. She does better. It's, it's tough when they I was last my last Friday night was spent at a hospital with my my neighbor. His, uh, his niece was wasn't home because she was doing something for her daughter, and uh, he, you know, was like, you know, what do you do? So I took him. But he's home and he's fine. So That's you, great news. Yeah, and I got another painting. <laughs> Aww. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a dedication wall just for him. You can have your own gallery, your Phil gallery. Yes, that's exactly it. I still would love uh, uh, to have a chance to meet him at some point. That would be cool. Yeah, some point when you're down, we'll, we'll, I'll take you up there. That would be great. He's a, he's a very interesting man. And he loves his galleries. And he, and he just cracks me up. I have a great time with him. And I'm, I'm learning his family as well. <laughs> That's good. Very good. Well, I'm very excited that we're digging in. Uh, We're doing a recap of the chapters 19 through 23 tonight. And I think we'll start off with chapter 19. Sounds good. Uh, Cassia was led to a bedroom on the second floor of the house. There were large windows that lead to a terrace. As, As you remember, she had been whisked away out of Paris for her safety because she had been attacked. So she's now at this uh, beautiful house um, where she can see the beautiful view of Mont Blanc. Uh, Juliet introduces her to Gretel, who will help her unpack her things, as well as bring her the breakfast tray. But Acacia, being the independent woman she is, wanted to unpack for herself. And uh, she was shown the room. Given the phone, the phone numbers, the outside lines, the Wi-Fi, all the accommodations were lovely. And if she needed anything to ask Gretel. Juliet motioned that dinner would be ready at 7 in the dining room. Acacia thanked her. And Julia then, Juliet le- then left. Still concerned for her safety, she surveyed her surroundings. She really was very, very um, concerned. Um, and obviously so. 
there was a trellis that she checked for strength. Um, she came back into the room, locked the doors, closed all the curtains. And she was try- trying to rest, but it was very difficult to sleep during the day with all the light. Um, for extra security, she added a chair to the door. Um, and in the midst of all these security things, she was really admiring the beautiful parquet floors of the room, blue damask drapes, tufted bed, and antique clock with blue silk bedding. Gretel knocked and brought a tray into the room. Acacia was very tired, so she had a very small bite to eat. Um, she made sure everything was locked up, pulled out her laptop, and typed up the letter to Monsieur Roy that she was ill and would not be in, uh, making sure she copied human resources on the communication. She also emailed Kate, letting her know she was okay and giving her the phone number of how to get a hold of her. She also texted Luke, letting him know that she had to get out of Paris for a few days, but uh, because of everything that had happened. Um, so she was really communicating with everyone, letting them know she was safe. She then took a shower, and this was one of the fun things that we had talked about on the uh, podcast, that uh, everybody, uh, everybody loved the line about she felt that Brazilians must be the cleanest people on earth since they tend to take several showers a day. And that made me chuckle, too, because I know people living in tropical climates often will do that. Um, I used to joke with uh, my husband about that uh, as he had lived in Puerto Rico when he was a child. So um, he's quite clean, too. Not Brazilian clean, but very clean. clean. anyway. Clean anyway. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, this chapter is just demonstrating that she's trying to come to grips of what happened. Um, being very, very cautious and afraid and, you know, communicating with everybody to let them know uh, where she is or where she isn't in the case of uh, the Hotel Victoire. So she wakes, she kind of wakes up a few minutes after seven and she's getting herself ready to go downstairs for dinner. Mm -hmm. She's worried that she hasn't packed anything. I mean, I, she left so fast. I don't know what the hell she threw in her, her bag. Right. <laughs> and why, why? I mean, really, for her to worry <laughs> about, exactly. you know, she, she's alive. That's the, the thing you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. So she's so she's opted for black jeans and a shirt. She'd be perfect New Yorker. Everything. Exactly. <laughs> um, her sleep wasn't very restful, and she was having all kinds of strange dreams being chased through the Latin Quarter, being chased through Paris or Notre Dame. And as she started down the stairs, she realized she had left her purse and her phone in her bedroom. So she goes running back and she realizes she she's, goes into a room She's and she, then she realizes she's in the wrong room. And it had a, because it had a large can, canopy bed, an easel with a half-finished painting of Mont Blanc. Uh, it was in open books on the desk, post-it notes, Reminds me of that movie. What was it? The girl who created the, supposedly invented the post-it notes. Rami and Michelle. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. That made me laugh so hard. Rami and Michelle's High School Reunion. High School Reunion. That movie was, if you guys have not seen that, it is worth finding. Oh, my gosh. And um, downloading, running, whatever. But, oh, my gosh. You just, it's, it's. 
It's so funny and it's so stereotypical 80s. It's um, it's great. Great fun. She also, she found a framed picture of a gangly boy and girl in tennis outfits. And she realized that it was Riva and Nicholas. And then she saw Riva's portrait on the mantel. Juliet's standing in the door. It's like, you know, yo. Um, <laughs> and Acacia apologizes that she's she's one of the family rooms and that she had forgotten her purse so she went into her own room gathered her things and then followed Juliet down the stairs to where she was met by Nicholas uh, Cassia asked Nicholas do you always wear black that's <laughs> a question I have because I had a friend that always wore black too and, and she was a New Yorker so it was okay but uh, he told Very her, cosmopolitan. Oh yeah, black jeans, black shirt, black shoes. <laughs> no, nothing, no color. Um. So anyway, so he told her that he liked the black better because gray and the navy blue just sort of didn't get into it. Um. He asked if she rested well and. He escorted her out to the terrace and opened the door for her, because Nicholas thought dinner would be nice out in the balcony. You have the lawn, the forest, the Alps, Mont Blanc. I'd like that myself right now. And <laughs> um, But she recognized that she was under the balcony of her room, because she saw the trellis on the side. Mm-hmm. Nicholas wanted to treat her to a meal like Guy Savoy. She hand and he handed her a tall glass of pastis. So we asked SR if he enjoyed pastis. And he said, well, he was, you know, whether it had been chosen as an aperitif or was it Anthony Bourdain inspired. And he said, well, he was not fond of it. He doesn't mind it, especially in summer. He drinks Paranod with lots of ice mixed with water. And that was something he picked up while traveling. Uh, pastis is sort of an, an anise flavored, similar to mm-hmm. Sambuca or Uzo. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Nicholas assured Gretel that it was fine because she was getting upset because she went, he was at the bar. And uh, he, he didn't mind serving himself and he gave one to Acacia. Acacia then complimented him on the house and how beautiful it was and, and asked about his family. Uh, the the Cassarers had been in the house since the 19th century. And when Acacia wondered if Acacia was a German name, Nicholas suggested that she had done her homework when she was researching him. But uh, she did. Which she <laughs> did is right. So uh, the... It, well, yes, it was originally, they originally came from Germany. His portion of the family went to Switzerland in the 1860s and settled in Colony. Also, that his father had been born in the house and asked why he didn't take her to his home in Zurich. Nicholas suggested that they would be looking for Pierre Breckman. They would not look here because they, and, and the security was a lot better. And he would also, she would also be chaperoned, which was very. Oh chaperoned. yes. Chivalrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, my, you know, just a, an FYI, my mother, her brother, and her sister were born in the house, 
they weren't born in hospitals. Doctor came to the house. So that was different. So, um, Nicholas asked how she was feeling, and she told him that working nights had taken its toll. Uh, sleeping during the day was tough, which I that I, I having worked that shift once in a while, yeah, it is. And he was aware that what happened at the hotel and and with being attacked, he asked her if she wanted to see a doctor, and which kind of took her back. Uh, you know, it was a traumatic event, and uh, Kasi was surprised by his consideration. She was frightened but not hurt, and he suggested that they use first names, then why, why be so formal anymore? Rick had told, told her that she'd handled herself very well, and uh, he asked what form of martial arts she practiced, and she told him that she had studied Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and when she came to Paris, she started uh, karate. Uh, Nicholas had started a few years ago in the martial arts, uh, he was such a man of many layers, and I think Acacia wanted to peel those layers to find out who he was, but wanted to know more about the meeting that was set up with Marcel. He told her that the details were not known, that you don't say much, that you don't go out and say, hey, I've got a stolen panning for sale. Um, exactly. You know. <laughs> It's like when my sister walks around New York City with a pocketbook hanging off her arm wide open and going, looking up at buildings. It has robbed me across her forehead. <laughs> Take me, please. Uh -huh, exactly. Um, but he, he, he told her the details were not known, uh, that you don't say you've the stolen painting for sale, that you do say you have a rare work for sale. And names were never given and you use intermediaries. And she asked if she knew who attacked her. Nicholas knew they were Bosnian, but he was still trying to figure out why. As Gretel took away the plates, he asked her how she liked her amuse bush. I love that. I love that. Way. I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> then Gretel delivered gazpacho with Sherry and they uh, saluted each other. It was like a theater of the absurd. Uh, they were in, in such beautiful surroundings while their attackers were roaming free. Still unsure of Nicholas, she had a theory as to why Rick remained in Paris. He was there and had one of the attackers on the ground, and Nicholas told her that Rick had not turned them over to the police. Nicholas wanted to give a message to the higher-ups, and whoever fucks with you, fucks with me. Um, this surprised Acacia. So we asked Oh, Oscar. yes. We, asked we had Oscar. to ask him this question. <laughs> um, Acacia was, by the forceful use of the profanity, why did you use this? And SR answered, it was intentional on his part. I think he was trying to communicate strength and forcefulness. And since he wasn't given into profanity, it made sense for him to use it. And just for me personally, it really surprised me because I, I don't see Nicholas's character using this on a uh, like a normal basis. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's not like my son who's f this, f that, f the other thing every time he walks <laughs> down the steps. So. When he uses and, it, it makes a point. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, once Rick had was seen at the hotel, that would have placed Pierre Breckman at the hotel as well. And Nicholas thought it was important to send the message. When Acacia realized that if she went back to Paris, she'd be in danger. Nicholas said that he had made it a point to uh, put himself out there so that they they wouldn't know who she was and she, she had nothing that could be damaging. Um, even though she had the book upstairs hiding. But she had, she had set it up and planted the seed that Pierre Breckman was an arms dealer. And if so, if they covered anything, it wouldn't ruin his alias. Although Silka had already done that. Now, this is a witch. Wow, she was terrible to him. She was. Cassie uh, had mentioned that she had seen the pictures and how horrible it was. Then Acacia asked if the BRB had looked into him. Nicholas mm -hmm. asked her boy if her boyfriend had found anything. So again, we asked SR. <laughs> we asked why, SR a lot of questions. We do. <laughs> uh, why Acacia did not correct him. And he told <laughs> us he wanted the readers to come to their own conclusions. Yes. Always good with the winky smiles. Yes, very good with the winky yes. smiles. Kez so Nick is laughing. <laughs> you don't mess with Nicholas. Mm -mm. Not at all. No. So Nicholas assured Acacia that his relationship was not a traditional relationship with Silka. Acacia wasn't shocked. I mean, you know, buddies are buddies. <clears throat> <laughs> and as she was saying this, her phone chirped, and it was a text message. Nicholas told her, go ahead and take it, and he went, he went off to tell the chef to hold off the next course. There were also two voicemails from Luke. The text from Kate was that her apartment had been ransacked. She wasn't sure when. She had not been home, but the door was open and everything was on the floor, Clothes were ripped from the closet, emptied on the floor. Uh, should she call Luke or the police? She, she sort of stifled a gasp when she heard footsteps behind her. Nicholas asked what was wrong, and she showed him the phone. And then he started scrolling through the pictures that Kate had sent. And he asked if that was her apartment. She said, yes. Was anyone hurt? No, and Claude was with Kate. And she had not heard anything. So Nicholas cursed, saying his matches had not been taken seriously. And when asked what he meant when he said that, he repeated, anyone fucks with you, fucks with me. We'll make <laughs> Kez just said, I don't know what I'm, I don't know. I think I'm getting too old, LOL. I don't really understand these type of buddies. <laughs> you haven't lived. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's not I like feel like Tinder this might be a whole other volume of Pam's book it's not like you have <laughs> Tinder and you swipe left or right it's a good friend you need a little help he wants a little help you get by with a little help from our friends that's exactly it so you don't have to take matters into your own hands so to speak <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're cracking Kez up, Pam. 
shocking my son even. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's now that's That's really funny. You probably discard your son. (laughs) (laughs) Explain to him it's entertainment. He knows me. me. Kez says, You are too funny, Pam. There are those nights or days or mornings, whatever. Anyhow, now we've come to Kez, Kez, we've come to Nicholas's birthday, so there are no buddies, F buddies, um, to contend with. (laughs) Yes, yes, because for Nicholas's birthday, uh, Nicholas and Acacia. Uh, went and were swept oh, swept over. Nicholas swept Acacia off of her feet and wanted to celebrate his birthday in Tahiti at his parents' home. Which I'm set. I'm ready. I know, right? Good. Send me. Take me. Black, beaches. Black sand beaches. Oh. It'd be beautiful. Well, Kez, Tahiti's a lot closer to you than it is to us, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to any of uh, the islands in, over there in the South Pacific. <laughs> I'm hoping to go at some point. It would be great. I'm still waiting for my Tahiti trip. <laughs> <laughs> we just need SR to write a scene and have it filmed and uh, <laughs> have it have it made an option to for the book, right? Absolutely. And Kaz says, no, unfortunately not. I, I don't blame you. I, they're pretty, uh, it's pretty remote uh, trip from my understanding. I, well, so, when I f- first started looking into it, uh, it was, I think it was, how old was it, 22, 21? Mm. And it was a Club Med trip. Oh, cool. And it, I think when, at that point, because it was all inclusive, I think it was like $3,000. Wow, that's, that's going back a few years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would have been. I don't want to give my age away. <laughs> <laughs> I think age is to be celebrated. It is to be celebrated. <laughs> when I look at the women that are my age and they're sitting there with their white hair and like, oh my knees. Yeah. I don't have white hair, but I'm going oh my knees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that can happen at any age. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but I, I think this uh, idea of having a romantic time away in Tahiti is lovely. And Karen actually not only joined us for tonight's podcast, but she joined us to celebrate Nicholas's birthday and created a really fabulous menu for the birthday dinner. So, KK, tell us about this birthday menu. Well, it starts with your favorite word. <laughs> yes. It starts with a amuse bush, bush. And I did a I did a little research on Tahitian food, and it's um, very hard to find something that is. But I found a few things that is Tahitian because there are so many cultures that make that up. So there's many influences. Oh, but, so cool. Um, the items that they do use a lot in their 
meals is um, mangoes in vanilla. Mm. So to start this, I decided since you know they're celebrating, it's just them two and they're celebrating um, in Tahiti and probably having this nice, beautiful dinner under a canopy on a beach. Um, we're starting off with oysters with diced mango. Mm. And I was looking at it and I was inspired and I made a, a recipe for a sherry vinaigrette that has vanilla beans, shallots, and mango. And oh my gosh. on top of the, the um, oysters. And then it's topped with a sprig of thyme and sprinkled at the last minute with floor de sel. And you enjoy. Kez is saying that she can envision it now and it sounds yummy. <laughs> I know. I, I want I want this meal. Yes. <laughs> See, I belong in Tahiti. I love mangoes and vanilla. Mm -hmm. Good I belong for the surfing, the black beach, the food. Mm. And Nicholas. And Nicholas. And Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> Although Richard yeah, would be nice. <laughs> Richard would be nice. Yeah. I think we're all fans of Richard. Yeah. Kez says that's great research, KK. Well, which it you. is. Thank you. But wait till wait till you find out the end. You're really gonna love it. Like the end mm. <laughs> But then um I decided to make them um Vichyssois. And that's something I learned to make when I did my apprenticeship at Oakmont Country Club. That was something that was on their classic menu. And what's nice about this, you can either serve it hot or cold, this recipe. Oh. Um, when you serve it cold, what you do, you almost cook it down to a paste and, and you chill it. And that's, that, that's your potato base. Mm. And then you... Um, thin it out with uh, heavy cream, which is, and I, Not too I made this, mm -hmm. I actually made this for a dinner that I auctioned off and oh. I made it with, um, I added arugula to it. So it had a nice little green color. It was around um, um, St. Patrick's Day, but it tasted wonderful. And I made um, par Parmesan cheese crisps. Oh my gosh. And, um, then it was topped with Greek yogurt. So it's a very refreshing. Like I said, it's very good with when you, um, it's very good hot or cold. But when I used to make, I used to make what we called the base and I would cook the potatoes and the, and the um, leeks in. I would like, let them almost dry out. It, like, you know, when you make a roast and you almost let it dry out and you pour it mm -hmm. and you get all those nice juices. Mm -hmm. It was very time consuming that that's what I did until it cooked down to a paste. Oh my so gosh. That's how we started. Wow. Their dinner. I think that would be fantastic. And I think, I think I like the, the flavor um, journey, right? From having this oysters with the, the mango vanilla mm -hmm. and then having going into that refreshing Vichyssois, that just sounds delicious. Yeah, as, Kez, as Kez says, sounds delicious, delicious KK. <laughs> so, after that well, wonderful appetizer, 
Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what you planned for the entree. Well, for the entree, while they were enjoying that beautiful soup and oysters, I was in the back and I was making Chateaubriand for two. Mm. And that is such an easy, um, but it looks very impressive to make. It's very, it looks intimidating, but it's very, you know, you just need a cast iron skillet, good, good piece of beef. And, um, you, um, you start that in your cast iron skillet and you put it, have a nice piece of, um, filet mignon. And then you, um, sometimes you can, you preheat a grill and you can grill it first a little bit to get the markings if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Throw it in a hot pan with melted butter seasoned with black pepper. And then you kind of um, baste it a little bit and mm-hmm. then put it in the oven. And when you are ready to do everything else, you have this beautiful juices that you add um, parsley and lemon to and then during the day before that to enhance that you make what you call um, hotel butter the cheater the hotel butter which mm. is mimicking you whip butter with lemon and watercress so that's going to give you a little peppery flavor so and that's brought to the table. You after you make that rest, let that rest. Mm-hmm. And while you got that going, to accompany that, you make um, while that's resting in the same pan, you take you make chateau potatoes, and that's very um, thinly sliced potatoes. You can use fingerling potatoes. Mm-hmm. You cut them in oval. And you throw, you know, nothing about, um, everything is calorie free, you know, throw a stick of butter, add a stick of butter to that. And then you throw your potatoes in, you get them nicely coated, season them with salt, ground black pepper. And, um, then you you saute them for about five minutes and then you want to throw them in the oven to get a crispiness on the top of them. And you take them out and you... Um, top them with a little more salt and pepper and top parsley and you serve this immediately. You're going to take those potatoes, I took those potatoes out in a cast iron pan and the Chateaubriand was on a um, carving platter. Mm. And um, so remove, plates were removed. They had their nice plates and I asked Nicholas if he'd like me to serve them and I cut very thin slices of, um, of the Chateaubriand and topped it with the hotel butter. And that must um, be delicious. Oh, I know. As Kaz says, oh gosh, my mouth is watering. <laughs> it really is. But I actually feel I, I might try to make the Chateaubriand. Uh, you're giving me the, um, enough encouragement it's very easy, and what's nice about that? Um, <laughs> Kez yeah. says you need to come to Australia. <laughs> I'd love to come to Australia. Uh, my nephew was—he ju- just came back from there, and I was going to try to hook you up, but he was on the other side of Australia. He was too oh, far. Oh gosh! He, he went there for 
the International Tea Convention. He loves tea, and he's oh. he's a barista who does not like to drink coffee. He loves tea, and the the tea conventions in the United States, you have to be a broker, or a have a tea house, or be from um, like Starbucks or somewhere. They're not open to the public, oh, yeah, and this is this one is, and. Um, Oh, he had a blast. I talked to him a little bit. And I can't wait to see the teapots and stuff and hear all about the tea that he tried. But he had a good time. That'll be fun. That would be fun. Yes. It was funny because um, my mom was talking to my sister, and I guess he got stopped stopped in customs. Because here he is. He's, what, Sammy's 27, 29? He's a single guy. He's, he, he asked him why he was there. He said they were very nice, very kind. It, it, I guess he ended up having this long conversation to him and started explaining, you know, no, I'm just here for the tea convention. Aww. <laughs> and they kind of laughed. And he's, he's such a cute kid. And he was traveling by himself, too. So that, you know, they're like, well, we're not, you know, they just wanted to make sure that, you know, they hope they didn't um, make, you know, make him mad. They didn't want to upset him, you know, embarrass him and... So, yeah, everything turned out well. Kaz wants to know if you were in, if he was in Melbourne. I believe he was. I believe he was. With all these teapots. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, really cool. cool. It was that really cool. My, my yeah. office mates would love that. They're all tea. They're all, well, actually, some of them drink both, but they're fans of tea. He loves um, tea. So... I think that's great. So they they're having, you know, they finished their meal and um, cleared the dishes and um, asked if they'd like a a drink. And they decided to have an after dinner drink before um, coffee and all that and again we made a um a ginger beer with vodka um infused with orange and so and that was served over uh, we got some he arranged to have some crushed ice you know he's nicholas he can get anything he wants Yes, he can. Even crushed ice in Tahiti on the beach. Yep. And um, so that was very refreshing, and it was served with a nice um, with gin- ginger beer, vodka, orange juice, because we didn't have any limes, and um, nice big slice of orange in there. Mm. Like a Moscow mule. Like a Moscow mule. A Tahitian mule. A Tahitian mule, yes. (laughs) The next time we have to try with mango juice. Maybe we were making the Moscow mules one night where we were playing cards and I did not have any any limes, so I said I have orange oranges. (laughs) So that's how that that was born. That's how we found out that was pretty good. Oh, that's actually that sounds delicious. It does sound good. I was I had um, instead of a Moscow mule uh, I had a Kentucky mule, and because they used bourbon, 
uh, when I was this past this this past weekend when I was visiting the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and uh, it was quite tasty. So I can imagine that that orange flavor would be just delicious. That would be good with bourbon. It it really it was was well (laughs) everything was good with bourbon. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Like the old fashioned, you mull the orange in and, and bitters and a little bit of sugar, mm-hmm. bourbon, and a uh, little club soda or something. Yes. Oh, yes. Kez said it sounds great, KK, and she says, <laughs> Nice, Leslie. I like bourbon. Kez, so do I after uh, my trip Kez, yeah. to <laughs> Bourbon <laughs> Central. <laughs> They're serious about their bourbon in Kentucky. And my sister was at the same distillery you were. Yes, was um, that was really a beautiful Woodhouse area. Or... Woodford, Woodford, Woodford Reserve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good stuff. It's a really pretty tour. It's one of the prettier um, and, and larger distilleries. So um, that was the one that our uh, host who lives in is born and born and raised in Kentucky, um, where she take she took us. It was it was very be- it was just a beautiful, beautiful area, beautiful region. Uh, so, but I think uh, your Tahitian mule that you came up with, Karen, sounds delicious for sounds the good. birthday dinner. <laughs> the birthday so drink. I think we're enjoying that. I went in. I I finished up the last minute touches to the the cheese tray and was getting the cake out mm. and um and i was preparing to fry the donuts and that was the other this is <laughs> the only th- this is a tahitian um specialty um free it's f-i-r-i donuts mm. and it's a yeast donut that's made with coconut milk um and it is in the shape of it's made in it's a very sticky dough mm-hmm. but they make mm-hmm. it in round balls and they shape it into the number eight and they fry it that way and the, that represents um tahiti tahiti is the largest of the polynesian islands and that donut represents tahiti That's and they can be made they're eaten for breakfast or they can be made savory they can end mm. a, also end a meal, so I surprised them and brought them out a, a plate of the free donuts, mm. tossed in um, vanilla sugar, mm-hmm. and to go along with that because you need a cake to sing happy birthday. Exactly. I made um, this was a specialty cake. That was my former boss's favorite cake when I worked at the cathedral. Um, and it was, and when he first gave it to me, I just thought he was crazy because it was a chocolate apricot cake. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's like a tort. It's very time consuming. You definitely make it from scratch. <laughs> and um, it's beautiful. And it freezes very well. Cool. Yeah. It's actually better frozen <laughs> but you actually it has um um in between each layer of the apricot sponge cake that you make one side has 
a chocolate grenache and the other side has a um apricot glaze filling that oh. you make from scratch oh, that's good and that's, then oh my gosh it sounds I'm so good here. I'm dying. And it's, iced. <laughs> it's iced with a homemade uh chocolate frosting it's almost like a um a chocolate italian buttercream okay. oh my gosh and <laughs> no kez is kez is in the same boat she goes omg yummy in capital letters i haven't made that i haven't made, I have to make this i haven't made it for a while it got to the point where I, he was calling me to to make it every year because nobody would make it for him in november but when i would make him one i'd have to make my dad one so it was uh, easy because if you were making, it was easy to, you know, to, to, do, to double the recipe. Right. I don't know, KK. I, that might be, have to be something that we do if I, if I get over to you and we have kitchen time. Oh, we could do that. Oh, my gosh. And um, it does. It really any, does. Like any good um, gourmet dinner. You end it with a very um, elaborate cheese tray uh, with mm. fruit and served with either coffee or espresso. And that is their birthday dinner. That was a great dinner. Yes, it was. And I have to say, we had such a great discussion um, and at that party. It was so... Um, it was so delicious, and in fact, our discussion about the food and the menu items and the ideas of, of cooking from different cultures uh, generated a very exciting idea that we've, uh, we shared on the podcast, and it was the whole idea of having a community cookbook. Yes. And it's what was very exciting is that um, we have been there, we have been blessed by <laughs> SR um, saying because we sh we shared with him and, and this happened a couple weeks ago um, earlier this month. And we had said that um, essentially we had a discussion and chat. Uh, and Karen had a menu. We featured a birthday menu, and inspiration struck. Right. We'd like to pursue creating a cookbook inspired by all of SR's work and the community that has grown around it. We envision it as a worldwide collection of favorite reader recipes, and all proceeds would go to charity. So we are all we are going to work on this idea, and there will be more to come with this. But it's very very exciting. And SR is on board, and we've even gotten suggestions um, from Nina on uh, where, uh, to, what publisher to work publisher with because she with. does that. Yeah. She had worked on a cookbook for her church, and I've also worked on a community cookbook yeah. with and, at a former employer. So, and, and Tez, that's, um, Tez loves the, the idea. She says yeah. it's a totally wonderful idea, ladies. And you had, I think you, Karen, didn't you also say you worked on one of these? Yes, and I, I've been recently <laughs> going through boxes um, since I'm off, not working. I've been 
pulling out boxes that I haven't looked at since we moved here and trying to purge things. And oh. um, I actually found, uh, and it's the same, it's the same um, company that Nina, publisher that Nina talked about. Oh, oh great. Yeah, yes. And, um, and then I found a bunch of recipes that I sent to another church because they were doing, <laughs> was a friend of the priest I was working for. It's It's been, yeah, it's been fun. I actually found a, a, a menu that I did when I was first hired there in 1999. Um, and it was for 12 dignitaries. Oh, <laughs> they were cool. from around the world. That's very yeah, cool. That, that was cool. Yeah, so That's... it was a lot of memories. So. That's very exciting. That's so, yeah. so we're, we're excited. I'm excited, and you know we're gonna we're gonna have uh, kind of get the game plan together, and we'll share with everybody um, because we're we're gonna we're gonna be asking people to contribute, and um, it's gonna be very exciting. And I think there it's a great representation. It's a great way to share and celebrate our community so and sr has uh when we talked to him about this he suggested or i shouldn't say suggested he said that if you're going to do any recipes on any of the any of the books do it from uh gabriel's redemption the florentine series and the man in the black suit because uh rapture and inferno uh, there could be some publishing issues uh, with the publisher of those two books. So he said, to, you know, just stick with the third one and the rest of them. Yeah, so. I think I think if we just say the Gabriel series, we're going to be covered. Yeah, um, I, you know, and yeah, because there's really not much because we're doing I'm, I'm doing a project with with uh, MJ kind mm -hmm. of in, on the when we do the reading of it. Yes. And I've gone through all the books and wrote down and the, it dwindles recipes, like actual food dwindles from each book. Mm -hmm. And by the third book, there's really not, there's a very general, you know, and just not that it's not that, but there, you know, it's, um, there's no big things, you know, it's very general and um, they were at saying they were at places and I like kind of looked up the places, what would they have like when they were, um, in England, giving her presentation, you know, where mm -hmm. would you go and what? So, yeah. So if you Eagle just, I would, I'd, yep. <laughs> so I would yes. just, if we just stick with the Florentine series and man in black suit, there's plenty of, mm -hmm. and then yeah, just I mean, everybody's. If you think about it, even generically, if you're doing generic Italian food. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just French, not whatever. Yeah. whatever yeah. just you know generic type things but um yeah there's yeah. plenty and and we're gonna have plenty with um yeah uh just with cultural it'll be very interesting to match up um kind of same like a, a different cultures take on say um pierogi or um um spanakopita everybody has a version of something uh, right it's going to be very um right. exciting <clears throat> and right. i have 
Ava's Irish. <laughs> I bet you do. Is Sammy going to let you? Is Sammy going to let you go? Confectioner sugar and coconut. I love that candy. I never knew how to make that. Thank you. So good. Well, I'll, I guess I'll learn. I guess I'll have to buy the cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, guess sure. I'll have to buy the cookbook there. <laughs> Kez says she's really looking forward to this. And she's saying chocolate cake. Everyone's version of chocolate cake would be great to see. Oh, yeah. we yes. could have a whole chocolate cake chapter. Just a chapter. Absolutely. <laughs> No. Okay. We're, 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 we're digressing. digressing. We're digressing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all hungry now after Karen's menu reading. Um, but we are turning away from Nicholas's birthday and going back to uh, where we were in the book. And that is chapter 21, which is incredibly difficult to realize that we are already that far into this book. And at this point, Nicholas uh, said that he was going to make the people that attacked Acacia pay. And Acacia did not want things to escalate. Um, you know, they're still having dinner. They're discussing this. He pours them both a glass of Cabernet while she texts Kate. And he's asking her, what, what is she afraid of? And Acacia tells him that she knows about his sister and that she sincerely offered her condolences. And, you know, that, that was a very powerful moment, I thought, because he's realizing and recognizing that there's a problem. And, you know, Nicholas tells her that her situation is different until they know who's behind it all. She needs to be kept safe. And um, in fact, Pam, if you could you continue on with that a little bit for a moment? Yes. Yeah, sure. Well, sure. picking up with the. Uh, Nicholas asking about the boyfriend. So, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so Nicholas tells her that the situation is a little bit different. And until now, she she wants to know who's who's behind it all. Again, Nicholas asks about her boyfriend. She was going to report the ransacking to him or the, to the Paris police. And she responded no, but she wanted to keep it a low profile. Because she knows that if she's going back to try to find another concierge job, she is not going to have, she doesn't want to have any of that publicity or anything around her on that. So we, we asked SR, <clears throat> as we are one to do, uh, when Nicholas asked about the boyfriend, Acacia snapped uh, at him, you will. He nodded as if affirming something to himself. Was he affirming that she was not dating Luke anymore, or if not, what was he affirming? He answered, for Nicholas, he, I think he suspects Luke isn't her boyfriend anymore, or that they are strained in some way. He's trying to get her to admit it, but of course she won't. Of course women should. You know, you got to keep them all guessing, at least that's what my mother always told me. <clears throat> Then she remembered her landlords. Now, you know, you've got this apartment that's been torn apart and probably the door's been broken into and all, the whole bit. And she's like, well, they're going to have to pass it on to insurance. So she's going to have to let her, um, you know, landlords know because there were thousands of, of euros 
uh, of damage. So she told uh, Nicholas she would have to go home. And he reminded her why she had left Paris. I mean, she'd been attacked, and, and now their apartment's been just been torn apart. So she, um, he was still curious why she wasn't calling the boyfriend. And she snapped at him that it wasn't his business. Then it, and then it dawned on her that he knew. He knew that there was something of value possibly in her apartment. And she was, she was like, you know. He, and then when they had spoken on the phone, he had told her to take everything of value. And he reminded her that anyone who would do what that was done to her apartment would have done that to the cat, to her. didn't matter. And, you know, they wouldn't have minded it. So she's very flippantly says, you're protecting my cat. And he responds, it wasn't just the cat, it was anything of value. Was it a setup, she asks. And, and Nicholas told her that it was not reason to attack or ransom her apartment. He had told Rick to watch her, which was a good thing since the BRB had left. And she questioned if Rick had gone back and of course he had not re he replied but while on the subject why could they have been looking for the ransacking looked symptomatic and Acacia is pushing back saying maybe they look were looking for him they knew he'd come to the apartment maybe you know so as he that's stood true yeah, and so that's true i mean that really was uh you know, it's not a far cry to think that they would have been going and looking for her. Um, for him, you know, since they, you know, they, they could have connected the two. But as he stood in front of her, um, you know, he's saying, you know, he had, you know, the painting in his apartment when they were together. She pointed that out, that um, he had the security and the BRB had her under surveillance. When he explained her, when he asked her to explain, and she told, you know, his alias, and she was asking what if they had actually gotten his real name, or if Marcel had found out that he returned stolen art. Maybe Marcel could have arranged the attack to derail the meeting. Um, and Kez had said, especially since Nicholas's bodyguard came to her rescue, which is a, yeah. was a really good point. Um, Nicholas had thought that in the beginning that that could have been a possibility, but then it didn't explain why they went after her and, uh, you know, they were, you know, the same type of attack. She grabbed her handbag um, and he said that they were the same and she grabbed her handbag. She said she has to leave. She had to go. She wanted to leave and go back to Paris. And he said he would have Kurt take her to the airport, but she was only going to go back to danger. And he said she was safe here in in this house, in this property with him. Acacia knew she could take him if she had to. Um, so that was one thing. But he also assured uh, her that if they found out about Pierre's name, um, that they could not attribute it to him. Um, but Acacia reminded him that they knew her name and that she could be traced through the airline uh, records. 
And ah. here, yes, exactly. <laughs> and he goes, well, only if your name was on the manifest. And she was like, what do you mean? Um, and, you know, and he said, well, I, there could have been a slight computer malfunction. Because uh, your names, these things happen and your name's not on the manifest. You're not traceable. So, you know, Nicholas is protecting her. Um, he reminded her what happened to Reva. He did not tell her that it was because of Reva that he did what he did. Um, he was emphasizing that he was Acacia's ally, not her enemy. For their trust to work, neither could withhold information. And then she also realized that if she could go back, she would have to call Luke for protection, and she could not do that. Yeah, Kes says, now that's a scary thought. (laughs) I love it. She sits back down because she really doesn't have a choice. You know, even though she wanted to leave at that moment, it really was safer to be where she was currently. So they went. um, They they continued their discussion, and they wanted answers from each other. Nicasia was worried that he has not been totally truthful. And he reminds her that he would not have let her known about his alias or about the French Minister of the Interior or Madame Bishop. Um, there had been so many hints throughout, you know, this, um, and in terms of him being trustworthy. And we had asked SR, um, you know, the the point in the book where Acacia rose and she intended to go back to Paris. Um, to her trash department, but then she reconsidered. She then took her seat and glowered at the host. Was she annoyed at Nicholas? Was she annoyed at her situation? Or was she annoyed at both? Or was there something else? And SR answered, for Acacia, I think she's feeling cornered. And that's a very uncomfortable feeling for her, which is very understandable and very true. Yeah, it's like being so, a cat trapped someplace. They don't ex- like it. Exactly. They just, yeah. And when you feel cornered, you your instincts kick in and your uh, survival mode kicks in. And I think that's why it was that fight or flight type of mm-hmm. thing. And she was ready to fly. Um, so Nicholas had told her that she had been attacked. Her home had been invaded and possessions destroyed. But he could help. He moved his hand, almost touching her. And Acacia asked, how could you help me? And Nicholas said that he's actually the target. And that, you know, he knows that they're, you know, ultimately after him. And when Acacia said that the superintendent would see the damage and then call the landlord, Nicholas suggested that they all, they would be able to call someone right away. Um, she did not think that anyone would be able to come that quickly to uh, repair the damage to the apartment. And then Nicholas, I think very smartly, asked her, well, what would a concierge do? And she said she'd be able to find something for the morning. Nicholas took it a step further and said, let me see what I can do. So as, you know, he was contemplating this, she thought about the offer, and she also thought about the journal upstairs. She asked Nicholas if he spoke French. Um, Not really. So she told Nicholas about the journal and that she had it when he asked her. 
he asked where it was, and she told him the truth, that it was upstairs. Uh, was he familiar with the journal? And Nicholas told her he had been aware of the book, but it really did not dawn on him until he saw her book that Marcel also had a journal. Um, Cassio also realized that he could have gotten it at any time. Um, and you know, let the men attack her, but he would, you know, he said, no, that's makes no sense. He would not have flown her to Geneva just to get the book. And Acacia told him where she found it, that she had not told anyone, but she had intended to give it to the police. And he asked her if Luke knew, and she also had it with her as he left to make a call. She texted Kate and told her she did not hear from her in the next few hours to call Luke with the information she had given him. So once again, Acacia is being very protective and very um, careful that she might have. Exactly. And Kez said, oh, that journal had me really intrigued. Me too, Kez. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what was in that book. And so we asked SR, did Acacia tell him about the journal because she thought he already knew? Or was it in response to his kindness to help him alleviate the trash department? SR answered that he thought for the journal, she wanted to be rid of it. She's still trying to figure it out who to trust. And she's probably hoping information about her no longer having the journal will get back to the people who were after her. So she wanted to be safe and um, she just wanted to get the item out of her possession. So no one's tra tracking her down anymore. Hello, Danny. Hi, Danny. Yeah, I, I that that was, uh, you know, that's her trust issues are still there with, as far as Nicholas is concerned. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's different. Definitely. So that brings us to chapter twenty-two. Now I loved this chapter. There was so much that happened in this chapter. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, it is. Uh, Nicholas returned to the table. Uh, Acacia had lost her appetite, and she was just pushing her food around. Nicholas sort of noticed this and told, and then told her that the workmen were going to be at her apartment tonight. They'll assess the damage. They'll make an inventory and and get back to them. Juliet had apparently had the information of contractors that had worked on Nicholas's parents' apartment in Paris. Um. Then he asked about the journal, what was so interesting. Nicasia wasn't really sure. She had read the pages multiple times, but he had used a sort of shorthand. For instance, the letter V was on his page. Nicholas gestured to have the table cleared, and, he, and she had a split second to think about whether to keep the steak knife or not, even though her martial arts training told her that she was the weapon, not the steak knife. Um, but that could wait. So this kind of surprised her. And he asked her what she would like for dessert. Um, no to the dessert, but yes to black coffee. And he's fidgeting and then asked the, what could the V stand for? Acacia thought it was a person or the Vitoire. And Nicholas thought it might be a number. And of course the Roman numeral five is the letter, is the letter V. And she wished she could have asked Marcel, or at least find out how he was doing. Uh, Nicholas said that he had people checking on him and would f be able to find find out some of the information. 
Akasi asks, Aren't you an, are you sure you're not an arm deal, arms dealer? Uh, Nicholas left, and when he left, he was so handsome. He's, he had an intelligent forehead, high cheekbones, angular jaw, expressive mouth, and a smile that just lit up his face. So he asked SR, uh, when Acacia was admiring how handsome Nicholas is, the description noted that he has an intelligent forehead. Any examples in pop culture of people with intelligent foreheads? And he answered that he thinks that a reader suggested actor Tom Ellis as Nicholas. He hadn't thought much about Ellis's forehead, but it probably fits the bill. Tom Ellis is, if you know, if you, is is Lucifer, and the season four was just picked up on to Netflix. I need to watch that show. I've not watched that yet. I think I saw the first season. <laughs> I haven't seen it since. Because, <laughs> the question. <laughs> Good question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so Gretel placed the uh, plate of cheese and fruit and cups of espresso. Nicholas asked if she would like to go for a private tour of the gallery. Acacia was confused and thought the art was in the house. So after dinner, they walked out to the car, and the security guards were off in one, to one car, and Nicholas was getting to the Porsche 911 Turbo S. Great car, by the way. And uh, only he was allowed to drive it because his father didn't want anybody else driving that car. And as they were leaving, she paraphrased a jo Joseph Heller line from Catch-22. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't after you. And that, that is like a, a weird feeling, concept to think about. You know, you know, you, you know, people are looking for you, but, you know. So after they left, the, the property, Nicholas asked if she wanted to go back because she, she's like, she's got like the death grip on the pocketbook and, that's on her lap. And <laughs> she deflected, saying that he was just driving too fast. <laughs> uh, laughing, this comes from a woman who drives through Paris. And he also told her that Rick thought she drove the motorcycle well. Maybe she could take him for a ride. <laughs> and Kez actually said she would love to drive that car. <laughs> I haven't driven one, but I've I've been a I've been a passenger in one, and it is one time. <sighs> oh. <laughs> another chapter for your book, Pam. Another ch chapter for my book, and not really. I mean, it was just I, I my neighbor my my uncle's neighbor had one. He was a lawyer. He, he married family kid. Uh, his kids and Patrick played all together, so mm. it was nothing special. But I mean, the fact that I got to ride in the car and that was that was good enough for me. So we asked um, SR. I asked SR if do you ride a motorcycle, and because uh, Acacia seems very adept at it, and William rode a Triumph, and uh, while I have never driven a motorcycle, I have been a passenger in the back for a few times. You know, the wind and the hair, bugs in your teeth routine. <laughs> and um, the, 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 I always enjoyed it, except for the rain. Because when, you know, like it, it, here in the States, when you're riding around and it rains, you get under an overpass or so find a place where you can get out of the rain. 
um, he responded that he liked motorcycles. It's true, but also you'll notice that in Paris, the motorcycles and scooters are very popular because they can scoot in and around the, uh, the traffic. There's more mobility, and they weave in and out of cars like daredevils. The other thing I noticed when I was there is that they, they have this really great thing that they can put around them so you can drive in any kind of weather and your clothes aren't going to get wet. If you have uh, hair issues like some of us do in the rain, you won't have that issue either. So, um, uh, then Ocasio's phone's buzzed and it turns out it was Kate texting saying that she was afraid for her and Cassio told her, you know, she was okay. Don't call Luke unless you don't hear from me for several hours. Uh, Nicholas asked, and she told him Kate was a friend. But, you know, Kate was taking care of Claude and whatever. But she is worries, as a good friend does. They went through the gates of a small estate, and which was the gallery. There were several buildings, and they were all connected. Excuse me. They were all connected around a quadrant. And... You know, it was it just a nice building with the fountain in the center. He got out of the car, and uh, they he had asked her um, if the family art collection was there, and Nicholas told her that it that the gallery had opened in 1951. Uh, he wanted to know if he wanted the if she wanted the curator to give her a tour. She said that wasn't necessary. The lights were low when she got in, and the displays were lit, well lit, and the, the paintings were nicely lit as well. And they're going along, and she's turned a corner, and all of a sudden she stops short. Nicholas goes barreling into her, grabs her shoulders, trying to keep her straight. You can visualize this, can't you? I can. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And. You know, so she's she didn't she didn't even notice that he had done this, but because in front of her was a portrait of Dante Alighieri, and it was a Botticelli, and it was an original. Oh my gosh, Botticelli! Yeah. Mm -hmm. And well, it was, and it was the the portrait that graced all the covers of all Dante's Divine Comedy of his books, and. It was the original. Now, they both loved the piece, and she was just surprised that since Dante died in 1321, when Botticelli painted this in 1495, the, the likeness was so good. But she always thought that that particular piece was in the Uffizi, um, which obviously it wasn't. She could stay, but, you know, Nicholas told her she could stay as long as she wanted. The gallery was all hers tonight. Now, I would like that. Now, museum sex or not, just to be able to walk around the gallery by yourself, all to yourself, and not have to worry about anything would have been so cool. So, as she's walking around, she, you know, she she realizes that the, with the robbery, um, the, with the uh, Degas piece, the Mont Monty family, the dance at Moulin du Galante by Renoir, Ice Flows on the Seine, by Monet, um, they they were the paintings that were were stolen, and you know you could tell Nicholas was sort of tensing up while he was there. Uh, well, she was not familiar with the Degas. There were she knew the what the other pieces were. 
in in the museum there was also a collection of papyri manu manuscripts early printed books and letters and Acacia was aware of the loss to Nicholas and to the gallery of what these other paintings were. And there was so much grief connected with the gallery and with Nicholas and his family. Um, she went, so she was going through room for room and she's looking at all the different manuscripts. And she comes to one that was open to the fifth Surah. And she read it in Arabic as it was, as she was holding her hamsa. And the line she was reading was, cooperate in righteous piety, but do not uh, cooperate in sin or aggression. And we asked um, Asar, why did he select the fifth surah of the Quran as a work to highlight? And he answered, he chose the text from the Quran intentionally, trying to highlight aspects of the tradition that aren't often spoken, spoken about. I, I do that in the later chapters as well with Acacia when she's having a debate with her cousins. So just a for you know, just a little forward note. Uh, Nicholas said that she was surprised that she read Arabic as well as she spoke it. And she Acacia mentioned that she had significant differences in the traditions between Islam, Judaism and Christianity. And, but there was also a lot of similarities. And when you think about it, when you look at the traditions, um, whether it be uh, uh, going through a Passover service, through the Catholic Mass, or even in, you know, in certain Islam traditions, you can see that there are little things that sort of are like everything else. You know, like for example, my, I explained this to somebody one time, the Catholic Mass is like going through a whole Passover service. The only pro the only difference is as as once you get to communion after the Last Supper that that was his Passover Seder. You go through the communion and that brings you into the new form of Christianity that was we know it today. Anyway, that's my uh, philosophy. That's good. <clears throat> and Nicholas had said that. She read Arabic as well as spoke it. Nick Cassia uh, mentioned the similarities, and she asked about his family. And he told her that while most of his family is Jewish, there were a few Christians. And she was looking for the reaction in her face, and there was none. You know, have, you know personally having having dated a, a Jewish man and his family, and and knowing what my background is. I, I kind of kind of surprised it, that he would point this out. So I, I said, this is a not just an observation. I was also struck by Nicholas looking for the reaction from Acacia when he told her his family is Jewish. I had hoped that we as a society had grown past that, and sadly we haven't. And I think current events here in the States, as I responded, um, for Nicholas and his heritage. He says earlier in the book that he has noted that the anti-immigration sentiment is on the rise in Europe. When, and he referenced uh, Cassia and the woman from Lyon. Um, mm -hmm. He is to know that their sentiments were exploited by anti-Semites earlier in world history, not just with the Nazis, 
but before that, even in the Middle Ages. Part of this novel was a reaction to what he has seen displayed in Europe and in North America. And he wanted to engage with the questions and the issues and also write a character who is right in the middle of the middle of it. A case Acacia is that character to a lesser extent and Nicholas as well. And you know, I, I, I remember reading from Deb Harkness's books in, mm -hmm. in the Shadow of Night they kind of deal with that uh, that issue and when they're in Prague and they go to a Jewish section of Prague. So, you know, mm. I, I, it was, an, it's interesting. So anyway, so Nicholas's family was part of the reform movement of Judaism. And, uh, but today they only celebrated the high holidays. Uh, they walked through looking at all the different manuscripts. There was, I think there was a gospel of, of St. John. And also there was a manuscript including Zohar. And Nicholas had hoped she spoke Hebrew and asked her, and they did not. And one of the things that they, they talked about was that, that with the three books there, the, the, the uh, Gospel, um, the, the part of the Quran, and this book of Zohar, that maybe these three traditions talked to each other, and they found where they could live in peace. And such a lovely sentiment. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and Kez is just saying she's really, really sorry, ladies, but I have to go. She's really enjoyed revisiting these chapters with you. KK, love the gourmet dinner you prepared. You ladies are always so interesting to listen to. Keep up the wonderful work. Thanks, oh, thanks Kez. Kez. Have a lovely weekend. Enjoy. Have fun. So, um... Acacia looked all around and she did the incredible collection. But one of the things that she ha she happened to notice was that there were um, a lot of the guidebooks were in Braille and there were signs that were in Braille. And there were even some of the some of the pictures and stuff that were in like a relief. So that if you were blind, you could feel what was in there. And Reva was 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 very good at bringing all this about um, and when she was curating everything she wanted to be able to have everybody be involved in art and I think that's important um, one of the things that she started was a caregivers patients program and that was to bring uh, dementia patients and Alzheimer's patients together and they could uh, go, go through with everything that they had to, with that um, there, I know with my neighbor Phil, his wife got involved in something like that, and she loved to dance and sing. And it was when she was back to quote unquote what she was before all this had happened to her. Um, as they approached a large room, Nicholas started getting very quiet, and uh, he told Acacia that the the room was the main exhibit hall. And there, when she looked in, when went in, there was light washing the walls, but there were empty frames on the floors, and the frames still had pieces of canvas in them. And she turned around, and she saw Reva's portrait, and she turned and looked at Nicholas, and the, apparently, this was the room where Reva had died, and also the artwork had been stolen. Um, so he was standing very still. And you know he 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 just she was just looking and, and 
he wasn't she wasn't smiling she went to him and she said uh, she told Nicholas um, who was a little you know was she said do you want to go and he was confused by that because you know here's this beautiful gallery you can go check it out and he was like he commented that she was so unselfish and she just said she was being human and his world had become so dark that it was not very often that he had that humanity around her he, he was always surprised by her her character was admirable he could re remember when she when someone was so kind and she basically told him he needed new friends and that suffering was a great equalizer she agreed saying that empathy can help us better understand our fellow human beings Riva had done a great job with the gallery and Nicholas told her that the Degas had been actually in a master bathroom of the house and she had her suspicions about it and it wasn't until she got it out of the frame that she could see the uh, signature it was after midnight Nicholas apologized for keeping for so long and she thanked him and Nicholas thought it, just being around there he felt like it was a tomb and she left they left but Nicholas did not talk until she got in the car he pointed his chin to the gallery and told Acacia that he had, was at home having drinks with his parents when all this happened they were waiting for her uh, he was not in a position to do anything about it at the time but in his uh, fictitious life he had been acquiring contacts and information he says I'm no longer the prey I'm the predator he started the car and, and he sped out of the compound so when we asked SR was this a hard chapter to write the gallery scene had to have been very hard on Nicholas standing outside his room his sister was killed in and the artwork was stolen the listeners all commented on that SR answered yes it was it was something that he wrote more than once and I think in one version of this story Acacia went to the gallery alone but it occurred to me that Nicholas would have wanted her uh, to return to the gallery with someone like Acacia because she had experienced her own loss in the previous scene with the attack in Paris and the ransacking of her apartment and there was a lot of shared experience there I think Nicholas would have recognized <clears throat> and and that was such a tough I mean I I liked the way he brought that together because I think it it did make it stronger if he had them discussing it together versus having just her going into the gallery um it made that connection more intense mm -hmm. and I thought it was a great way for them to explore their different outlooks and their different perspectives and showing how you know they may come from different backgrounds but there are a lot of commonalities mm -hmm. which always seems to be a theme running through a lot, a lot yeah, of this a lot. work you know one of yeah. the things though when I, when I was going through this tonight after having gone through it before I'm thinking about it you know if if I haven't read further into the book I, I'm I don't know what happened as and it just it just struck me that you know not, you know it was nice she didn't know what her 
life was going to, his life was going to, but it was just an important thing for them to come together on. You know, I think, you know, once you get into the book and you, you hear more of her story as well as his story, then, then it becomes a little bit different. That's my thoughts and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I definitely agree. It, it really brings them together. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Karen? Oh, absolutely. That was the, I think that was the moment that, yeah, everything, the walls were broken and just, you know, it was, they're cohesive. That was a moment that brought them. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it connected them. It, it connected them. It made a strong bond. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, um, you know, a good position going into chapter 23. It kind of laid the groundwork um, and kind of a basis to build upon uh, what happens next. And uh, this is one of, I think, one of my favorite chapters. I remember saying that this is definitely a must-include scene um, in any screenplay that will be written about this book. Um, and, uh, you know, it starts with Acacia, um, you know, no- noting that she had slept most of the day and just was not as tired. And she craved sleep, but it was just not coming. She texted Kate saying she was okay and that she'd given Nick- and she had given Nicholas Marcel's journal. She had been tossing and turning and just was having trouble sleeping. So at 3 a.m., she had gotten enough and got up and Googled the Degas. So I I know this happens with a lot of uh, listeners. I was seeing people on Twitter talking about um, being up at all hours or waking up at crazy times. And um, sometimes that happens because your mind can't shut off and you're processing things and thinking about things and this is what was going on with Acacia she had to check out the Degas so she looked and since it was one she was not familiar with she learned it was a pastel with a young ballet dancer having her hair brushed by her mother and that she um, there was another young girl in the picture with them and Acacia was wondering why the manuscripts or Botticelli or any of the other precious works of art were not taken. Um, and then she thought they were probably too hard to sell, um, that there was probably a market for impressionists. So she remembered as uh, she was trying to figure out what to do in the midst of not being able to sleep, that there was actually a pool. And while she was told to go not to go outside because of the security and the dogs, she decided that she really needed the pool. She really needed to get that um, that exercise in and that r- relaxation of being uh, having a midnight swim, or I should say mid morning swim, right? Yeah. <laughs> Three a.m. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when she left in a rush. Um, she'd forgotten her bathing suit, so she went swimming in her matching black underwear. Um, and I'm sorry, I haven't had matching underwear. In, I don't think I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you buy things that sort of match. <laughs> I'm just laughing. I'm actually wearing matching underwear today. 
Just had to say it. <laughs> and why? Because I had a good uh, doctor's appointment. So I wanted to be appropriately dressed when I was being undressed and examined. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I, I don't have the, uh, the black under things that Acacia had when she was taking her swim. Um, well, you don't wear a black thong. <laughs> she, <laughs> she didn't think that the guards would really bother her. So she just decided to jump in the pool and it was saline. And yeah, I I've only been in one once, but they were really soothing. Um, that would be great right now. Actually, the, the, I could the, use the a dip in I the belongs, saline pool. The town pool that I belong to mm-hmm. is a saline pool. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It is nice. I was surprised. That's great. That's good. It's it's really soothing. It's really soothing for you. Um, yeah. It's a good thing, actually, for your leg. That would be good therapy for you Pammy yes I do so she swam from end to end I know they should keep it open for another month it's going to be hot enough I think I know so while she's swimming end to end and floating she was looking up at the stars and when she was tired enough she got out and found a towel had been placed in one of the lounges You know, she was thinking about this, and she thought she understood that Nicholas had this quest for justice, and she she herself had known loss and tragedy, but she wondered how far his obsession for justice would go. As she was drying herself off and squeezing the water out of her hair, a hand reached out and touched her shoulder. She dropped the towel and grasped the hand with two hands and wrenched it backwards until she heard him yelp. The assailant then twisted his body behind her, he freed his wrist and placed her forearm around her neck. She bumped him to try to throw him over her shoulder, but the assailant planted his feet and lifted her off the ground. The voice then said, Rick told me you could take care of yourself. He put her down, and she turned to face who else but a grinning Nicholas. <laughs> I'm telling you, this would be epic on the, epic on the screen, baby. I think this would be such a great scene. I'd love it. <laughs> She was so tired of being tested by him. And he says, well, but you've always seemed to pass every test. I don't know why you're, you're tired of it. You do so well. And, you know, he's shaking his wrist saying, you almost broke it. And she said, well, you almost deserved it. <laughs> he glanced over her body. And you can, you can see the, you know, the intensity between the two characters at this point. He glanced over her body. She had beautiful breasts, toned thighs, a curvy backside, all enhanced by her bra and thong. She grabbed the towel to stop him from looking at her. And he told her that you can't help an art collector looking at beauty. But Acacia was not eager to be collected. Because she is a strong, wonderful woman, great female character that's written um, in such a great way. Nicholas told her that whatever man collected her, uh, he would give up his entire collection for um, just her. Just her. So Nicholas is a little intrigued and enchanted, I think, by this point. Mm-hmm. And, of course, being the gentleman, he did turn to give her privacy. She took off her wet things and she wrapped them in the towel and dressed herself. 
When he turned around, she asked if he could not sleep um, and if he was planning on taking a swim. He said no. He really didn't sleep much, and he had been working. He had appeared tense and asked if she wanted to walk. She said she had swam to tire herself out. They walked to the house, and he asked if he had wanted her to put her wet things in the dryer. So he's being very considerate at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really trying to, you know, see if she needed anything, take her for a walk, taking care of her things. And, you know, they're walking, you know, he's walking her back to her um, inside the house. And she waited on the bottom step for him to say something. She noticed she he wanted him to kiss her. I think so, too. Oh, right. Absolutely. So, so obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, he's about six inches taller than her. She gazed at his mouth, his piercing eyes, his full lower lip. And she gazed at his strong chin. And then she saw his scar. Looking at that scar as if to sabotage her. (laughs) And boy. Do we sabotage ourselves? Yeah, that's a big Mm -hmm. self-sabotage right there. Because I do think they were having a moment. I think they were having many minutes in this scene. Um, I think the attraction grew stronger at that point and you know i i think definitely that you know we actually asked sr about this question i believe i think i have it here um well we asked if at this point in the book did nicholas intend to be platonic purely professional or does he already envision a more romantic relationship and apart from his initial encounters with Acacia, Nicholas was attracted to her. This is what SR is saying. Nicholas was attracted to her almost from the beginning, but he is cautious. And then the other thing we asked about this chapter was, you know, at the, the last line, right? His piercing eyes, full lower lips, strong chin, and then her eyes went to his scar as if to sabotage her. And... You know, we were asking, um, you know, what what were they thinking? Like, what was going through their mind? What the, the characters' minds? And he said, "I leave it to readers to decide." Absolutely. <laughs> of yeah, course. Keep it up there. Man of mystery, keeping yeah. it real. Yep. So, um, you know. I know we're heading at the tail end of uh, the podcast, but we did have a really fun time at the birthday um, celebration uh, with readers suggesting who would play uh, Nicholas. And uh, we had a lot of different, a lot of different um, suggestions we had, um, including Theo James. He's, he was like one of the favorites there. Navima and Haley Mendoza also suggested that along with many others. Um, Julia Baruti, who's a model. Um, Justin Jocelyn. Yes. Uh, Daniel Gillies, mm-hmm. um, Samia and 
had suggested him. He was, I believe he's also a model, if I recall. Um, yeah, you said Justin Jocelyn, Maru's pick. Noah Mills from Cynthia. Um, Noah was a model as well. Um, and he moved from modeling to acting. He was actually in Sex and the City too, as Samantha's new love interest. Was and that it's the funny because blonde hair. Yeah, I thought, I thought so. Yep. Um, I saw the saw it. I it, it was funny because it was flick. It was on the Sex and the City two was on the television this past week and i just had flipped through when i was passing it and i couldn't believe i was like oh my gosh that's that's the guy um yeah he's sort of long blondish hair and he got together with her after she had her breast cancer thing yeah they met he was a waiter and they got and he stuck through yeah actually though i wasn't sure i thought i don't know We'll we'll have to look him up Penn Badgley uh, was Monica's choice, um, and he's actually f- from Baltimore originally, so he's not too far from here. Um, he's been in several different shows. He was on Will and Grace, Young and the Restless, um, and Luke Roberts. I see him in TMZ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Gossip sites. There's, yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, these aren't, these are pretty handsome dudes. Um, Luke Roberts was, uh, is another choice. Tobias Cameron uh, was F.S. Maureen's uh, choice. That's another model. Uh, and we have a couple models in addition. Sergio Pamkov was Jen Locklear's uh, suggestion for the look, someone who has the look of Nicholas. Um, Tom Ellis, again, uh, MJ, mm-hmm. Susie, uh, really. Um, and of course, there's always a Henry Cavill shout out. Yaz suggested him for this role. <laughs> I think we would watch Henry Cavill do any role. He's he's My a very good actor though. He's very adaptable. Him. I I know your friend who is uh, is uh, one of his big fans. Yes. Um, um, another model's Chema Trece, uh, Parmiter Patra's choice, and he is a model. Um, has been on many covers and book covers. Also, is a psychology major. How about that? That's cool. Ian, Ian Summerhalder, I, Corinne was, Smith suggested him. Yeah, he was um, on Vampire Diaries, I think it was. I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a fan fave. A lot of people he, love he him. He was also a fan fave for Christian Grey. Yes. I remember that was a big discussion point. And then Kenzie had sent some really great artwork that you can look on Twitter and see um, that uh, inspired was inspired by the book. So, yeah, it's just been uh, it's been a whirlwind, a whirlwind and a good party. And uh, I think we're going to have more and more people coming up with suggested actors for this one. Oh, yes, absolutely. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Because I think I think this 
well, I think all of his books should be made into something. I I'm think hopeful. this one is going to be uh, as a standalone because it's a standalone. It, it would it would it would become more of a movie type. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think because of the action, I think I think it would lend itself and I yeah. think it would lend Although, itself to a more, you know, a mixed audience as well. Yeah. Mhm. True. A lot of action. Very exciting. So, I would love that prospect. So, well, we've had fun tonight. Yes, ladies. We it was great to have. Hours. I know. It was great to have our friends uh, join. Um, it was great having you with us, Karen. It was great to be here. Thanks I know, Karen. Time. You always bring. You always bring such great ideas and <laughs> insights and and food suggestions so um thank you for joining us well yes. thank you yes, it was a pleasure and uh i guess pam we should sign off and talk and, uh, uh look forward to next week um next week and we're and turn, be yes 24 and 25 chapter yes mm-hmm. and uh, i'm gonna leave us tonight with a little sit-in nice to have that little thing going but it's yes. by Bobby Timmons. So Lovely. have a great night, everybody. We'll see you hopefully on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time with chapters 24 and 25. Have a good night. Good night, good night everyone. Everybody.